Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable, that's the key, simple and repeatable 10-step process for sales success. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategy Studio in Washington, D.C., Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies, and the title of the show is How Neuroscience Disrupts the Standard Sales Process. Hey, Dave. Great to be with you on the show as always. You've been in the sales arena for 40 years. What's been your experience with it? Well, you know, I was uh, my first career was in the Navy, and my last job was in the Pentagon as a program manager of a large uh, program. And you really have three jobs. Program manager, of course, managing the program. Second, you're a buyer. And your staff puts out RFPs and companies uh, bid on them and you choose one and supervise the building of the system. And then third and almost the most important, you got to be a salesperson. You got to keep the program sold. You got to defend it from budget cuts. You got to justify the return on investment or the lives saved with a great analysis and that sort of thing. You got to build relationships with all of your partners. You got to go over and schmooze the people on the Senate and House Armed Services Committee to support your program. So you're totally a salesperson also. That's kind of where I got the first taste of sales actually in the Navy. That's pretty much what a lot of the salespeople do in a complex sale, right? Pretty much the same stuff. Exactly right. You got to have your sales hat on uh, all the time. And I know, I know you know this, Dave. We're all in sales essentially all the time. You know, we're selling ourselves. We're selling our ideas. We're selling to the boss. The boss is selling to us. We're selling to the bank to get more capital. The banks are selling to us to get our business. We're essentially all in sales. I know you know. Now, here's some of the disruption that's happened. Most of us that have been around sales forever, like you and me, have known that sales has always been about a process and there's always been what's called the art of the sale. And the process essentially means if you're a sales manager or a CEO and you've got five salespeople and you have a sales process and you know all your salespeople are following that process, you can sleep easily at night. There's also then what's called the art of the sale. And that is all of us have different personality styles and how we accomplish each step could be different. But as long as we accomplish the step, then we're fine. So now with all these new neuroscience studies, we actually know the science behind sales as well. So now we got the process, the art of the sale, and the science behind it. And in many cases, this new understanding from this worldwide forum of neuroscientists studying decision-making and other aspects of neuroscience that relate to sales totally disrupts what we thought was the right thing to do. Well, as you know, I'm an engineer, so that's why I like the science behind this. There's really three main ways. The first way is, as an engineer, I'm guilty of this. It's all about the logic. Does it make sense? And that sort of thing. We now know from the studies of the brain that there's really three main parts of the brain. Reptilian brain, you know, 500 million years ago that it started with the early fish. Um, The mammalian brain, when the dinosaurs are wiped out and some of the small animals went to the sea. And then about uh, maybe two million years ago, the hominid brain with the early primates that kept, as you know, morphed into humans. And to simplify it, the reptilian brain's all about, we've got to be focused on ourselves. Mammalian brain's all about emotion, excitement, engagement, and the hominid brain's all about the logic. If you 
lump those two much older brains, um, the uh, mammalian and the reptilian brain together, you can kind of call them the ancient brain, a uh, hominoid brain is the, uh, the rational brain and or the new brain. We now know from all these neuroscience studies that about 97% of our decisions come from the ancient brain, and very few are driven by the by the rational brain. That seems counterintuitive, John. Isn't there logic involved in decision-making? Well, a good example would be um, three companies, Dave, inc- you know, including one we're associated with or after a big, hot opportunity. So all three companies have good experience, good quality, good service, reasonable prices. So in the buyer's mind, all three companies are essentially tied for first. So which one would the buyer choose? Well, they're going to choose the one where they've liked the salesperson the best, the salesperson who's made the best emotional connection, who's built the best rapport. That's where the emotional connection really overrides the rational. Now, here's where the rational comes into play. Let's say there's three companies, uh, different companies, going after a different procurement. In the buyer's mind, two of the companies are really tied for first in every respect, experience, quality, service, prices. And then there's a third company that's really just an average company. So even though the buyer may like the salesperson from the average company the best, they're not choosing them because they don't have the logic to justify that emotional buy. So that emotional, those emotional decisions apply to all of us essentially all the time. Which car do we buy? What mate do we choose? What do we eat for, what do we eat for breakfast? Are almost all emotional decisions. That's really the first disruption is really understanding that most decisions come from the ancient brain. Well, how can we tap into that? There's a number of activators, that is, ways to stimulate the other person's ancient brain. And it doesn't matter what you're selling, you know, trying to get them to join your company, trying to up and cross sell to them as a current customer, trying to sell to them as a new prospect. It's all essentially the same. One of them would be one of the main ones, and this really comes from the reptilian brain, and that is we are all kind of focused on ourselves. You could call it me, me, me focused. That is by necessity for species to survive, we gotta be mainly worried about our own safety, our own success, our own happiness. When you really understand that, you can apply that easily to sales. An example would be just some Harvard data. Right now there's about 25 million salespeople in our country selling business to business or business to government or business to wealthy individuals, all kind of the same sale. And 5 million are known as pretty much elite, 20 million not so hot, typical Pareto principle, you know, 80-20 rule. And when you watch an average salesperson give a presentation, here's the architecture of their presentation. Here is uh, the vision of our company. Here's a picture of our new facility. Here is a list of our seven integrated cybersecurity solutions. Next slide. Let's start with the details of cybersecurity solution number one. What do you think? Would the buyer's old brain be awake yet? Uh, no. No. So when you watch the elite salespeople give a presentation, it's totally different. It's upside down. They're, the title of their first slide will always be, here is our understanding of your needs. The latest neuroscience studies on this, where you're actually putting people in a chair with a big MRI machine on their head, helmet with an MRI machine built in so you can really tell when the, the hormonal circuits are energized, the dopamine circuit, serotonin circuit, oxytocin circuit, etc. So you can really see people's reactions. So now you got the science behind what works and what doesn't. In 95% of the cases, if you can get the buyer to talk about their needs first, in 95% of the cases, that causes a big conversation. 
And once that conversation is over, well, how many slides in our slide deck of 21 slides do we have to show? Only, only a few. So that's just one example of, if you really understand which part of the brain you're mainly selling to, it changes how you would give a presentation. Always start with your understanding of the, of the customer needs. That implies that you got to be a great preparer as a salesperson, a great researcher. You got to have an inside coach. Another beautiful example of this is most of us know rapport building is important, but now with these neuroscience studies, we realize it's a lot more important than we actually than we actually thought. So imagine a person sitting in a chair, big helmet, MRI machine built in, at nine o'clock you get them to talk about the best dining experience they ever had. Come back at 10 o'clock, talk about falling in love, romance. 11 o'clock, come back and get them to talk about what if they had a lot more money, what would they do with it? And then noon, come back and get them to talk about their passion, their interests, what really excites them about their life. In which case, Dave, do you think the only case are all three of those positive hormones released essentially simultaneously? It ain't money, it ain't food, and it ain't romance. It's all about the passion. So the practical application of that then is research people before you go to see them. doesn't matter whether it's a new strategic partner, a new key employee that you're trying to recruit to the company. Upselling, cross-selling to a current customer, selling to a prospect, do thorough research on them so that you can get them to talk about their passion to start. Then you get this ancient brain to ancient brain total connection. And probably the best tool to use to do that right now would be the sales navigator level on LinkedIn. If you've got the sales navigator level, a must tool for all hunter salespeople, pull up their profile on the sales navigator level and their personality style shows up. And so it really tells you how to modify your approach to them because you know which of the four styles they are, you know which one you are, you know what you'd like to do, but in three of the four cases, it's not what you should do. <laughs> so. That's really interesting. We are understanding more of the technology of the brain, and we also have access to technology tools. And now it's time for us to do a little commercial break on additional technology, which can help salespeople. <laughs> Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866 833 9941. We've been speaking with John Asher on how neuroscience disrupts the standard sales process. Now back to the discussion. John, are there any other things besides the ancient brain access that, that salespeople need to be aware of in order to be more effective, disruptive environment? Well, let me give you two other examples of disruption from just understanding the triune brain and the ancient mammalian brains. One of the other ways to activate the buyer's, let's just stick with sales for a second, the buyer's decision-making brain is to have a clear difference between you and the competition. So if a 
Buyer's old brain does not see a difference between you and two other competitors. It has a very difficult time deciding. And if it does see a clear difference, then it will make a quick kind of easy risk-free decision. And that is actually the science now behind what we have known for quite some time. And that is, uh, you know, management consultants have been beating on us now us business people for 50 years about having a unique selling proposition, sometimes called a USP. And the main reason is if you don't have a, any USP, so in the buyer's mind, you and the two other companies all look, again, pretty good, right? Reasonable experience, prices, products, services, quality, and all that sort of thing all looks kind of the same. And the buyer has a tough time deciding where does the discussion always go, Dave? Goes to price. Yeah, it almost always go to, goes to price. And so now, as, as a seller, that is not where we want to be because the buyers will always try to commoditize us if they can. If you do have a clear distinction, then the buyer can make an easy risk-free decision and the price almost never comes up. So that's why management consultants have been talking about the importance of having USP or unique selling proposition and they knew that based on experience, but now we know the science behind this. So now that just gives us the impetus to drive harder to get a USP for our company. Give you another spin on it. You know, when Jack Welch took over GE and ran it for 20 years, some people said he ran it in the ground, but anyway, he ran it for 20 years. Just after he took over, it's all in his book, he got all 38 business unit leaders, each one with PL responsibility, into a uh, conference room. He said, I'm going to give you the strategy for your companies. Um, only two aspects of it. This will be short. He said, uh, first, you better be number one or number two in your industry. Get there soon or I'm selling your business. Two, you better have some strong ghosting discriminators. Get them soon or I'm exiting your business. So he was kind of the guy who invented the term ghosting discriminator. And a little bit of background is our parents taught us never badmouth other people because they'll actually think less of us than whoever we're badmouthing. So we all know we shouldn't badmouth other people. A ghosting discriminator allows us to point out the difference between us and the competition without mentioning the competition. So in other words, it's as if a ghost is badmouthing the competition, not you, by the way you say it. And I'm sure you imagine that principle, don't badmouth other people, applies to sales. In other words, if you hear that your competitors are badmouthing your company to the buyer, it's actually good news because it has a negative effect on buyers. So a ghosting discriminator allows us to badmouth our competition without mentioning them by the way we say it. An example would be in my old engineering company, kind of right here in D.C., we used to be able to say in our environmental engineering services division, we used to be able to say to the buyer, we have unique testing facilities. So was I bad-mouthing the competition, Dave? Well, not directly. No. Was I even mentioning the competition? I didn't hear it. Yeah. But what was I saying about the competition without saying it? Well, that you're unique and they're not. Yeah, and they don't. They don't. So it's now so nice to be able to understand the science behind the importance of the unique selling proposition. Just yeah. to keep us on track, we just got a couple more minutes. Let's stay with this ancient brain 
part. Are there a couple of other things? You mentioned activators. A couple, any other activators that people might be interested in would help them in the sales process? Well, another one is um, one of the best ways to wake up the other person's decision-making brain is with a customer story. And I'm sure our listeners have heard this, that the great salespeople are the great storytellers. And actually, the great executives are the great storytellers also. And if you go back, way back in history, before there was a written word, that's how uh, information was passed down from generation to generation stories. So our brains are kind of wired for stories. And we now know from these latest studies at Harvard University, the Neuroscience Research Lab, that there is a great agenda or architecture for telling a customer story. And that is, it's got to be simple. It's got to be real. It's got to be about you and your company and how you've helped the customer, including the financial results that the customer achieve from your help. And then another activator that's similar is all about images and we all know how important videos are there's you know there's a reason google a very smart company bought youtube when you look at the comprehension of our brain for video versus reading words on a website it's like nine thousand times as fast so if you combine videos and customer story then the brilliant application of those two activators for the old brain is on your website to have videos, short ones, about a minute, of your best customers telling a story about how your company has helped them using that architecture from Harvard. That's described in our, in our training manuals. That's like a brilliant application of two other of these activators, images and the, the, the whole thing about engagement. So there's another example. We all know videos are important. We're not too sure what to do with them. We're not too sure what, which is a better, a production video or a native video, you know, where we make it ourselves. But there's a lot of data on this. By the way, there's a lot of data that shows that people will watch a native video three and a half times longer than a production video. Oh, and you mean native video, that's just one you made yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the reasons are, is it seems more real, of course. We're uh-huh. also waiting for, them to, waiting for them to screw up. <laughs> so. Like watching a NASCAR event. It, um, it, exactly. It, it, it is interesting. It, it, it also appeals to the authenticity that we, we are seeking as a, as a salesperson, right? Exactly, exactly. Exactly right. And, you know, it isn't that hard. If you look at most companies, it's done a great job for a lot of customers. They wouldn't still be in business. In many cases, the customers turn out to be friends. And so if you go ask them to do one of these testimonial videos for you using that architecture on the best way to tell that story, you know, they'll do it. Especially if you just show up at their office with them, make an appointment, show up at your office with your iPad or whatever you're going to use to record it and have them sit in their chair telling the story and you, you recording it. That's essentially all you need. Get the authenticity and you get these two activators operating at the same time to wake up the uh, prospect's uh, decision-making brain. Well, John, our our brains are, are awake, I suppose. I'm, mine's awake, but we've only just we've only got a couple more minutes. Is there any anything you want to leave the audience with? Just a, a couple of thoughts, and then how they can get back in touch with you. Actually, I'm a physicist by education and an engineer by training, but I couldn't do real work. So I've got lots of friends in here in D.C. who'll say, you know, if you can't do real work, get into politics or sales. Politics didn't seem to me to be an honest job, so that's why I had to get this. <laughs> I had to get into sales and but I'm an engineer at heart so 
as I said, the thing that really is so, so interesting to me and so powerful is we've all known about the art of the sale, the process for sales, but now we have the science behind it as well. So our understanding of what works and what doesn't has really just been kind of transformed and disrupted in many cases. And if you want to get a hold of, a hold of us, just uh, go to the website, ashwastrategies.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you, John, for giving us some great insights into how we can disrupt the standard sales process and get a few steps ahead of our competition. Our next show is in two weeks. Be sure to join us from now until then. John Asher, John Asher himself, reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. You've been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio. 